Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes. Every day I'll give you insights and encouragement. That's a year in the Bible, available now wherever you get your podcasts. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on and they're trying to figure out how do I deal with this and I always know Jesus has the answer he has that next step for you let's open up the word today and see what God will say specifically to you Many times people were delivered of demonic forces, evil forces, old ways of thinking, the lies of this world that says you're not important. That, 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 no, no, that was all, that was all let go of. And they, 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 people were healed. They saw this. They saw the work of the Holy Spirit. And people began to live holy and pleasing God's lives. You and I are called. You and I are called to encourage the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting about this little passage with Paul was Paul had been wanting to go into Macedonia. He'd been saying, God, please let us go into Macedonia. And God kept saying, nope, 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 nope. Finally, he gets this dream. And here he hears God saying, parakaleo. And he's like, oh man, we're in. God says, we get that in. Have you been praying for your neighborhood? Have you been praying for your neighbors? Have you been praying and said, oh God, how do I share Jesus with my neighbors? I want to know the right way to do it. What, what is it that's keeping them from you? God, would you just show that to me? God, give me an open door to my neighbors. God, would you open the door to my neighbors? Would you open the door to my neighbors? God, I can't wait to share with my neighbors. Would you open the door to my neighbors? This is the excitement of the New Testament church. I pray for that for you. You know what I think? God spoke to me in a dream last night, and I don't take this lightly. If you've been around here for a while, I do not say these kind of things. This is not my deal. I am not into manipulation at all, okay? But last night I had a dream, and in the dream, and I don't, I'm I'm telling you, I don't do this. Last night I had a dream, and I felt like in the dream, God said, tell the people to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. See, What people need to know is that when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, it brings a spirit of holiness. And it doesn't just impact the church, it impacts the world at broad. See, it was the Holy Spirit that brought you into a church for the first time in your life. The Holy Spirit said something's not right, and it directed you. I've had people tell me all the time, they say, you know, I've been driving past this place, and I keep feeling like I'm supposed to pull in, I'm supposed to pull in, I'm supposed to pull in. And then finally they pull in. That was the Holy Spirit. I will tell you this. You can tell the Holy Spirit no for a long time, and then he'll take your no. Don't do it. Don't do it. If God has been convicting you of a sin, do not give him the Heisman forever. You know what I'm saying? It's time. It's time to relent. But church, I want to invite you. Begin to pray. Say, Lord, would you pour out your Holy Spirit? Now, beware of this. When you ask the Lord to pour out His Holy Spirit on your life, you're welcoming Him to tell you the things that you need to stop doing as well as the things you need to start doing. Okay? And you need to be willing to listen to Him. One of the things that's interesting to me that people miss on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, what the people in the crowd said they heard them saying in tongues was, they said, you were declaring the wonders of God. 
A lot of people put something into that context that is not there. They say, well, we, they, they believe that, that Pentecost came so that you and I would have the ability to speak about the gospel of Jesus Christ in people's own language. It's not what happened. They heard them declaring the wonders of God. See, when you welcome the Holy Spirit into your life, the wonder of God comes into your life. And you become transformed and you begin to say, I thank you, God, that you are my redeemer. I thank you, God, that you part red seas. I thank you, God, that you have delivered me from sin. See, those are the wonders of God. The wonders of God is the miracle that separates us from the sin of this world. The purpose and the work of the Holy Spirit is to testify to the power of God in our lives. That's what it does. And so when you and I pray for the Holy Spirit to come, what, what's going to happen is people are going to say, you know, I was just convicted that I needed to stop doing this. I, I, you know, people, people tell me, I was convicted that it was wrong for me to live with somebody that I was not married with. And, and I didn't want to shame them, but I knew this was not working right. And they walked away, away from that. When I was in college, I... Uh, uh, I, uh, at the University of Tennessee, I was part of InterVarsity. I was one of the leaders, and uh, so I, I had a similar job to what I have now for InterVarsity in that, that I, would, I would welcome students to their large group meeting, and I would teach there at times, and I would host other people. And, and one of the young guys that, that I was discipling, Clark, I remember walking with him down the hill one night, and he said, I don't understand why you can't just have a beer. And I said, what do you mean? I can have a beer. And he said, but you never do. I said, that's right. He said, why not? I said, because there are other people watching my life. And if, if they see me live a life that would somehow cause them to take a pathway that's not good for them, a beer is not that important to me. And see, as a, as a disciple of Jesus, sometimes people think, well, just because you have the freedom, the New Testament says, doesn't mean you need to do that. Have you thought about the clothes that you wear? I mean, are there times when the Holy Spirit should say to you, is that really what you should wear as a Christ follower? Because we wear clothes at times. We, 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 believe, we are a t-shirt wearing generation, right? And sometimes they're kind of cheeky and they're kind of funny, but sometimes they really don't don't exemplify. Do I, am I saying that you need to wear Jesus, Jesus? No, I'm not saying that. But some of our things that we wear, they connote darkness, evil, wickedness. Don't do it. Don't share posts that are ungodly. People, we are called to be a holy people. And what I'm saying right now is I want to encourage you, live a godly life. You and I are called to live a godly life, a holy life, a pleasing life. Have nothing to do with ungodliness. This is what, what Paul is, is saying to the church here. This is what you and I are invited to. We are called to encourage the gospel. So what's the problem? Why do you and I not do it more? Why do Christians not do it more? I believe, I've, I've identified at least four of them. The problem of can't versus hypocrisy. We live in a world that says you can't say this, and they just can't wait to tell you that you're a hypocrite, okay? I was reading recently uh, about um, a Nobel Prize winning uh, man here. I've got his name. His name is Sir Timothy Hunt. 
And, and in 2001, he gets a Nobel Prize. In 2015, he's at a, a celebration in South Korea for uh, women scientists. He's there encouraging women scientists. However, someone in the audience um, misheard something that he said, and they decided to tweet it out that he was some sort of anti-woman, misogynistic, I don't know, dinosaur. And because that person had a lot of followers, it became the big thing. They tried to take away his Nobel Prize. They, they, they got him removed from multiple things. And, and, and he had to go in hiding for two years for the truth to come out, for all the people that were in the room to say, no, he never said that. And see, you and I, you know, we, we, we live in a world where people are just looking for an opportunity to cancel. And at the same time, we're worried that if you and I are bold and say that we're a Christian, we know, this is what we know, we know we're going to slip up. We're going to have a bad moment. We're going we're gonna to swerve in, some, in front of somebody on the highway, and, and we're going to do something we ought not do. And the next thing you know, we're in a post somewhere, and we're worried. And see, can I just tell you this? Do not worry about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy just means you took a sand for something and you missed the mark. You and I live in a world, we need more morality. We need people that will stand up for a moral system. And if you're worried, well, I can't stand up for morality because I might have a slip one day. I might not be as kind as I ought to be, or I might, I might not be as honest as I should have been. Listen, if they ask you, does this make my butt look big, be quiet and walk away. I'm just telling you, folks, because, see, you don't want to be a hypocrite. See what I'm saying? This is the kind of craziness. Hypocrisy, listen, hypocrisy is made for some of the greatest gossip in our world in literature. <laughs> the truth is, if you fail to reach the mark that God has set for you in terms of honesty, in terms of integrity, in terms of God, godly living, you say, yeah, I missed the mark, but I still have the mark and I'm headed towards that. God, forgive me. I repent. That was wrong. Own it. Okay? But don't live in this world where they use hypocrisy as a means of keeping you from ever owning your identity in Christ. Okay? Ever owning a godly worldview. How about this one? Number two, a world of self-promotion and fear of judgment. Think about this. We live in a world of self-promotion, and yet, at the same time, we, we struggle over, we don't want to ever admit <laughs> that we've ever done anything wrong. Yet, we put out posts, we put out information that's only positive through a filter. We, we don't want other people to judge us, yet we put ourselves out there, and then we ask them, what do you think about what I'm doing? And then we say, we are, listen, can I just tell you, everybody likes judgment. Let's be honest. We just want to be the judge. This is why Cheesecake Factory is so successful. We want to look at all their list of cheesecakes and say, okay, I'll judge which one is the best, right? We all want to be the judge. We just don't want to be judged. And the truth is, there is one judge, and, and, and he judges as the creator of the universe, right? And yet, what's his standard of judgment? It's Jesus. So if you're better than Jesus, you get a passing grade. If you're not as good as Jesus, sorry, don't make it. So that's why you and I say, guess what? I'm with Jesus. <laughs> you and I get in 
Because we're following Jesus. Because we've given our life to Jesus. Because we're not because we are Jesus. That's why I don't worry about hypocrisy. Because you and I both know I could never be Jesus. But you know what? I'm going to be the best Jesus representative he has in my neighborhood. I'm going to give him my best. I'm going to do my best because he's worthy of it. See, that's what it means. The third one is what I call, it's a private matter. And this is really kind of our generation currently. Um, what we find is uh, Barna is this research group. They, they research Christians and 56% of Christians tell Barna that their spiritual life is entirely private. Their spiritual life is entirely private. Now, this is devoid of looking at the New Testament where Jesus invited Peter, James, and John, Mary, Martha, all these followers into a group to do life together. They're always meeting in crowds. They're always meeting in homes. How is it 56% of Christians can believe? See what I'm saying? Other studies that we do find out that two-thirds, all right, Two-thirds of Christians, 39%, are not engaged in discipleship at all. That may be you right now. And you may, may feel a, a twinge of, of guilt or shame. You don't need to feel that. What you have to do is say, okay, I've got to grow. This is my opportunity. I've got to build some relationships this year. See, you and I have to start engaging our relationships with other people. That's what God has called us to. But we live in a world right now who says that your spirituality is it's personal. You shouldn't talk about it with anybody. That's not true at all. That is not biblical. That's a non-biblical approach to Christianity. It's always been relational. It's always been a, a, a part of a, a larger body of people. Is your salvation a personal decision? Yeah. But that's just the beginning. Let me ask you this. Who was it that led you to Christ? Who was it? Oh, so if you approach it as entirely personal, don't you thank God that they didn't have that attitude? Where would you be today? I can tell you the people that were instrumental in my life. Some of you need to write a note of encouragement today. Say, hey, just want to say thanks. I made it to church. You had a part in that. See what I'm saying? It's just a lie from our generation trying to hold us back. How about this one? The last one is learned helplessness. You say, well, what is learned helplessness? There's two kinds of learned helplessness. This is a psychologist. American psychologist is the one that discovered this, or he, he wants to take credit for it. You know, pain. So if, if every time you apply for a job, you get rejected, the pain gets great. And every time that happens, you get to a point and you're like, well, I'm just not going to try. I'm just going to sit at home. Right? And then you look at it, and if we, plot, if we give you an unemployment check that's good enough that it's, it's just the same as if you got the job anyway, well, you're not going to go for the job, right? But there's also another learned helplessness. And, and this, is, this is the one that you and I have to think about. So um, if, if you never have to make your own breakfast, mama always makes your breakfast for you, and you don't know how to make breakfast? I had a guy at college like this. His mother always did his clothes. He would mail his, home, his clothes home from college. She would wash them, fold them, press them, and mail them back to him. That's called learned helplessness, isn't it? Wouldn't you want to marry that man? Uh-uh. I mean, the first week of marriage. Let me introduce you to the wash machine, sir. Right? If your kids, 
If, if your kids have only seen car keys that, that beep the door open, they'll never know how to put a car, a key in. And you need to know their first car needs to be a car with a key because do not spend so much money. Oh my gosh, your insurance rates will go up. Buy them something from Craigslist or the little old lady down the street. Get her old car. You see what I'm saying? Learned helplessness comes to... Now, this is what's happened. Can I tell you this? There's a bunch of Christians that have gone to church and they've been told, all you got to do is sit there and throw your money in the plate. And they have learned helplessness. They do not know how to share their faith. They do not know how... Let me tell you something. My daddy taught me how to work from the time I was this big so that one day when I'm this big... I can be a man that takes care of myself. And spiritually, you need to know how to share your faith. Spiritually, you need to know how to care, encourage somebody else. Spiritually, you need to know how you got saved and how someone else can be saved. But more than that, you need to know, well, why should we be baptized? Why should we want the Holy Spirit? Why should we fill in? How do you get free of an addiction? How do you get free of depression? Did you know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is applied to all of this? Jesus didn't just save you to give you eternal life so you can live like some sort of self-centered, ungodly person living on cheap grace. It's a lie. They've created some sort of broken Christianity. We'll have nothing to do with it in this place. Nothing to do with it. You were called to be bold, confident, encouraging other people in the love of Jesus Christ. Approach serving God optimistically. Approach it from the perspective that if I serve God, it'll give me a blessing. Oh my gosh, I got to land the plane. All right, here we go. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. If you will just realize that wherever you go, wherever you go, you can encourage people with a kind word. You know, Jennifer and I went out to eat the other day and, and, and I just thanked the girl that served us. I said, hey, thanks for working. I said, thanks today for working. See, when you and I go around, we thank people for doing the things that we want them to do. Right now, we've got to get people back to working. We shouldn't be afraid to work. Work is the best thing for you. What's interesting, when we read the scripture, there's these one another commands. Again and again, it says one another. It says not only encourage one another, but the scripture also says love one another in John 13. Welcome one another in Romans 15, 7. Confess your sins to one another in James 5, 16. It keeps going on again and again, one another. Why? Because we're in relationship and we're to help one another. Listen to Philippians. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. See, you and I are called to, to humbly value other people better than ourselves. When we see them doing something, we say, wow, you're an amazing person. How do you do that? How are you doing that? How do you keep going in the midst of a world that's so negative, so grumpy, so depressed? So, how do you do that? You know, you encourage one another. Say, I'm so proud of you. Some of you are still working 12-hour shifts, caring for people in hospitals. You're, you're, you're doing nursing care when, when there's stress in, in the world. I'm so proud of you. 
I'm so proud of, of the way that you've shown up. I'm so proud of the way you share your faith in the midst of that. Loving people, praying for people. Way to go! Humbly value others first. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And he goes on, he talks about how there'll be lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, lovers of self. I mean, Paul says to Timothy, in the last days, this is what it's going to look like. And every day when you and I open up the world in which we live in, we see the last days. And I want to give you an encouragement. How do we approach the last days? It's in 1 Thessalonians. It's written to you and I, brothers and sisters. We're part of the body of Christ. Way to go. But you, our brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage, parakaleo, one another, and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. What I love about this passage is it says, listen, you and I may be living in the last days. Don't worry about it. He uses the same language here, very similar language that he uses in Ephesians chapter five, when he says, you're pushing against spiritual forces of darkness. And he says, put on the full armor of God. He, he, he describes how you and I have to put our hope in God, in our salvation that comes from Jesus, the breastplate of righteousness, it comes from Jesus Christ. And you and I, we go out every day into battle. Let me tell you something. Soldiers don't put on their uniform because life is easy. If you've been given a gospel of grace and a gospel of happiness, you've been lied to. We live in a world of darkness, but the world around us needs the light that you and I have. If you had a flashlight and there was no light on, wouldn't you share the light? Share the light. Become an encourager. Challenge other people. Trust in Jesus. It's the best decision I ever made. Look to God. Worship God. Serve God. Go with God. God is the answer for the world today. Be encouraged and follow Him. Live for Him. Don't give up. Don't back down. Keep going. You're in the right way. Stay in this lane. It's the narrow lane, but it's a good lane. It is the way, the truth, and the life. Follow with me as I follow Him. That's the encouragement that you and I need. That's the encouragement the world needs. Don't give up on it. Lord, today as we leave this place, may we carry your grace, your love, and your hope with us. And God, may we carry the pack. Let us be fully aware of the armor we wear. For we are standing against the gates of hell. We oppose the lies of this world. We stand in the truth that Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. In your name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor Doyle Jackson for The Church Next Door. Reading the Bible is important. It's something that every Christian should do. It will transform your life. It'll help you grow spiritually. It is good for you. 
Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes every day. We'll give you insights and we'll encourage you. So read the Bible with me and join me daily. That's a year in the Bible available now wherever you get your podcasts. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. Now is a great time for us just to stop and pray. You know, we've been thinking about God and His Word, but it's it's no good if we don't apply it. So let's take a moment and let's pray. Let's invite God into the situation. You know, when we pray, we need to pray for our employers to lead well. So let's do that today. Lord, we, we, we thank you that you teach us in your word that we can either love you or we can love mammon. And, and God, we do not want to love mammon. And in our world, we have these, these leaders, these people that employ. They are, they are big companies and small companies and small businesses. And this is our prayer. This is our prayer that they would lead well, that they would seek you and not money, not profit, not the bottom line. Lord, our economy right now needs to be transformed and and, and we need leaders, people that own businesses that can see through this to help us. Lord, we need people to go back to work and to work well. And so we need these leaders to to welcome the employees and train the employees, but we need the employees to submit and to work together in this. So Lord, this is what we're praying. We're praying for the leaders of industry, the leaders of businesses, the people that have the power to employ, to be wise and have discernment. Jesus, you talked about the, the people that employed people, they went out early in the day, the middle of the day, and late in the day. May the people that have the power to employ go out throughout the day. May we begin to see our businesses flourish under your authority and under your name. We pray that we would begin to see new jobs created and people desire to do their jobs and go to work wholeheartedly and that they would be paid well, that the economy would do well. And so today we pray for the employers to employ well, to set up systems well, and that people would be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying with me. You know, as a pastor, as, as your pastor, I want you to know one of the most powerful things you can do and I can do is pray together. And I'd like for you to begin to join me in prayer every day. And so we've created a free prayer guide, but you have to go to our website, yournextstepnow.com, give us your email address, and you can download the ebook. It's for you, but it's also to begin to grow in prayer. It's the best thing that'll ever happen to you. Go to yournextstepnow.com and give us your email address and get your prayer guide today. Your Next Step is a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued. But to financially support the ministry, visit thechurchnextdoor.org and click on Give. That's thechurchnextdoor.org and click on Give. Of course, we'll be glad to send you a gift of thanks in return. For more resources to guide and grow your faith, you can visit doylejackson.com. That's D-O-Y-L-E jackson.com. If you need prayer or have questions, text us at 
644-4034. That's 888-644-4034. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time for your next step.